Come in. Hey, Dad. What's wrong, bud? Well, you know, my friends and I are making a podcast right Yeah, okay. But we really want to reach a lot of people. And? We are really struggling to find the right platform to launch ours with. I know you and your friends decided to go with Anger.fm. Well, it is free. Yeah, I know. They have creation tools that let you record and edit your episodes right from your phone or computer. I know, but how did you get all those other places to put your show on? That's because Anchor.fm helps you easily distribute your podcast on Apple Podcasts, CastBox, Radio Public, Spotify, and more. Wait, they do all that for you? For free? With no listener minimum? You can't go wrong with Anchor.fm. It's everything you need to make a podcast all in one place. Wow, thanks, Dad. Just make sure you go download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Oh, and welcome to the Wicked Things Podcast. The story you're about to listen to is called Small Town Kids. If you like stories like Stranger Things, The Goonies, or The Explorers, you are going to love this. Afterward, feel free to drop by our Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube pages or even leave a little message below. If you really enjoy our content, check us out on Patreon. Ava and the younger kids stare in absolute amazement at the little creature standing by the water's edge of Mill Pond. Sophie shrugs, beaming as she looks at each of her friends. See, I told you, not a dog. She is a Phoebe. Carl elbows Mike and pulls on Willow's jacket sleeve. After they turn to face him, Carl leans in asking, You guys are seeing this, right? Please tell me you see this, too. Willow swallows and looks at the older boys standing next to her. Great. We see it, too. We all see it. Clancy snickers and pulls out his favorite candy bar from his backpack, Zagnut. He rips open the wrapper and presents it to Phoebe. My dad says if you make friends with them, they'll eat your brain last. Sophie slaps the candy from his hand. She's scared. Can't you hear her still? In here? She taps the side of her head. Ava squints, trying to open her mind through physical effort. She bites her bottom lip for a long moment and then stops. I got nothing. Sophie looks to Willow for support. If you guys can't hear her anymore, she says it's another trick that will let her talk to us. Willow, Mike, and Zach nod in agreement. Willow answers with uncertainty. Um, okay, what do we need to do? Phoebe leaps into Willow's arms and kisses her on the mouth. The others laugh for a moment, but then Mike points out, Um, guys, that thing shoved its young down her throat. Look. The kids gasp, seeing Willow's throat bulging and throbbing. Willow gags, pushing Phoebe away. Everyone sees the oversized tongue rippling and throbbing stretched between her and Phoebe. Willow grabs the organ and pulls it from her mouth. She throws up a foul, thick, heavy mucus, not unlike the goo that secured the dead dog's hide to the little creature's flesh. All the kids rush to Willow's aid. The larger boys grab her to stop her from collapsing to the ground below. June stares at the shape of the fleshy organ hanging from Phoebe's mouth. Ava stares wild-eyed. That's so cool! Phoebe grabs the fleshy organ and begins swallowing it inch by inch. Clancy shakes his head. My dad says that's how you get space cooties. I'm pretty sure you're going to need to get a shot or something. 
Mike points at Phoebe, seeing it swallow the last of the oversized, fleshy organ. Phoebe swallows hard several times, choking on whatever that was. Sophie smiles and looks to the startled gathering of kids. She can mimic us, but has to touch what she mimics first. Willow rages, throwing the boys off her arms as she straightens her posture. My first kiss is from an alien who has to French kiss me so it can. What? Phoebe interrupts. I am sorry, but to speak to you this way, I had to mimic the organ you used to communicate with. I can understand you, but because of your changing hormones and chemicals, I can't send you my thoughts at the same time. This will give me a few moments to speak, so let's make it count. June raises her hand, eager to ask a question. So, you're an alien. Oh yeah, follow up. Where's your ship? Phoebe points to the center of the pond. We got shot down during the weather event last night. I am afraid my friends may have died. We came to get samples of the wildlife for studies. My school teacher and friends, we were all on a field trip. We came to learn all we could about your people and world. Ava strains to see the ship under the water. Her eyes grow wide, seeing just feet beneath the surface, a large, shiny object has settled to the bottom of the lake. Holy cow, guys, I see it. It's right there in the center of the lake under the new ice. Clancy and Zack stare out at the lake surface to confirm Ava's discovery. They look back and nod. I hate to admit it, Zack says, but Ava's right. I can just make out the shape of something large and shiny under the water, but I don't see any other tracks around here. Sophie cries as Phoebe hugs her. Both little ones close their eyes. You won't, I'm afraid. The water here in your world is not just toxic, but acidic to our bodies. I fell out of a hole made by the attack. Something was fired at us from the far side of your town. June turns greenish and gags. You mean your teacher and friends were dissolved by the lake? Oh God, I'm going to be sick. She vomits a trail to a small bush where her body cuts loose, evacuating its contents on the forest floor. Sophie cries louder, embracing Phoebe. I can see it. The water ate them. Phoebe has been trying to get to them but could only receive the images from their thoughts. She watched in her head as they all died, like a movie only she could see. Mike throws back his arms, motioning for everyone to be quiet. He closed his eyes, listening. He turns his head in the noise's direction. Mike spots several troop carriers parking nearby soldiers in gray and black camouflage, exit with helmets and assault rifles being passed out to every other soldier. A detachment of people in lab coats gives every other soldier a device like the men from the school carried. Zack runs from the lakeside, waving the others to follow him. Run, guys! Those look like soldiers to me! Hearing the rhythmic thumping from overhead, he points to a passing black helicopter as it circles overhead. We gotta move! They're here for Phoebe! Clancy pipes up. My dad says if they get their hands on her, they will dissect her. Ava rubs her chin and squints. She opens her mouth, but June cuts her off. It means they will cut her into pieces to study her people. Ava and Sophie each take one of Sophie's hands, sprinting away. Following close to the larger boys for protection. 
the group runs west along the lake, carefully to stay under the canopy as Zack directs them. Mike stops again. Everyone does as well, looking to him for guidance. Carl glances up and down the nearby bank. Carl smiles after spotting what he was searching for. Okay, good. A little further. The power plant. We can hide in there. It's lunchtime. My dad works there and always comes home for lunch about now, even on the web ends. We can lie low there till the last school bell rings. Zack and Mike push their way into the brush, leading to the large power plant building. Mike pulls free of the last bush, blocking the group's access to the power plant. He and Zack nod, each boy's face filled with sweat and exhaustion from the physical task of creating a path where none existed before. The rest of the group follows into the clearing between the last bit of the forest and the outer wall of the massive building. Ava says what everyone seems to think. Cool, we're through the forest, but how do we get into the castle? Zack motions for the rest of the kids to follow him. He creeps up close to the building and makes his way along the side that faces the lake. The children shrug and follow him. He stops next to the water's edge and motions for Mike to help him. The two boys pull a piece of plywood from behind an overgrown vine attached to the wall. Clancy smiles, seeing a gash in the wall large enough for any of the children to slip through. Just like my dad says, there's always a way around a front door. Ava whispers loud enough to get the other kids snickering, but not loud enough for Clancy to detect. My dad thinks your dad's an idiot. Carl clears his throat and points at the gap in the wall. Can we get inside now, before they find us? The children filter inside one by one as Mike and Zack watch for approaching soldiers. The children wait for the older boys on the other side of the entrance. Mike and Zack join the rest. Zack motions for the group to follow him to a space he has hidden in before. Halfway across the first floor of the power plant, the kids enter a space between the generator and the control room. This used to be the break room for the employees. My dad told me they stopped using it when the length of the lunchtime went to 30 minutes. Now everyone just goes home for lunch. The kids sprawl out across the area, watching Sophie and Phoebe. The two liked each other a lot and enjoyed each other's company. Willow stares at her sister and rubs her throat. She cannot help herself and spits on the floor, the taste of mucus from the little creature's organ forcing itself into her throat. She nudges for June to join her, and the girls walk to Mike and Zack. Willow speaks softly to avoid the younger children overhearing them. What are we going to do, guys? I mean, the employees won't be gone all day. They're going to notice us at some point. Then, we will be in worse trouble. Mike scratches his head for a moment. I figure once they all come back, we can hide outside. And then once I see my mom return, we could be clear to hide at my place. Zack peeks out of the lunchroom door, but is startled, coming face to face with his father. Before he can move, his father seizes him by the top of the head. What the hell are you doing here, boy? Is someone in there with you? Father and son push their way back into the room. Zack's father throws him to the floor. He points to each child. How did you all get in here? Zack watches them. I'll call the school to come and get him. Clancy catches movement near the frosted glass of the front doors. 
He focuses through squinted eyes. He elbows Ava to get her attention. She growls at him, but Clancy grabs her by the head and turns her to face the direction he spotted movement near. Ava sees a growing shadow amidst Zack's father's lecture. Get down! The glass ceiling windows and several windows and the front door explodes inward. Everyone gets surprised as small steel cylinders land inside, followed by jets of smoke erupting from each. Everyone inside coughs and gags as the smoke affects each person. Clancy yells out, My dad says when they use tear gas, you gotta get down low and cover your face. If there is a good open space, it will blow away quick. Zack's dad falls to the effect of the tear gas gagging, snot flowing, and his eyes water and burn. Zack moves to his dad's side. He yells to his friends, Run! Get out of here! I'm staying with my dad! I'll catch up with you later! Mike spots shadows moving from above to the floor, and some entering through the front doors. He grabs Sophie and Phoebe. Ava, June, Willow, Clancy, and Carl close in tight and low to the floor. The gas used by the soldiers burst into flames as embers from the old generators mix with the chemicals used in their tear gas. The soldiers scream and fan gas away from themselves. Others flee the now burning power station. The children crawl past the soldier amidst the chaos of the breach of the power station. Ava spots an assault rifle dropped by a soldier and reaches for it. June slaps her hand away. Are you stupid? You will kill yourself. Ava's expression twists into a sneak, followed by sticking out her tongue at June. Mike picks up a pair of restraints and a billy club. They slip out into the parking lot. Soldiers and scientists rush to and from, many suiting up in sealed pressurized suits, each taking one device they tracked Phoebe with earlier. Sophie cries out in terror at the scene unfolding around her. I don't want to go to jail. Somebody help us. Phoebe blinks at Sophie, seeing the fear on her face and nods. She leaps down from Sophie's arms and growls. Her growl turns into a high-pitched yap. The yapping multiplies, echoing, which fills the area. The soldier and scientist grab their ears, attempting to keep their balance. Moments later, only the shocked children remain standing. Phoebe leaps back into Sophie's awaiting embrace. She cuddles Phoebe. Mike blurts out, I don't know what that was, but let's get out of here. The kids run across the parking lot to the park, seeing the soldiers down for the moment. They make good time running back to the school and then down their familiar streets. They cross the road, seeing LaDonna being questioned by deputies. Mike leads the children between the many houses toward his house, trying to avoid detection by the deputies. The entire town is on edge, with the deputies and soldiers going door to door. Clancy pipes up. You know they will tell them where we are. My dad says that without training, normal people don't stand a chance against the terror tactics of government officials. Everyone chuckles at Clancy's interpretation of events unfolding in the sleepy little Ohio town. Mike shakes his head and motions for the others to follow him. They weave a path between several older homes in the neighborhood, stopping on the backside of the rear yard of Mike's home. Mike uses a small stick to poke through a small hole in the fence, 
and popped the latch to allow them to enter his backyard. Willow closes the gate behind them as Mike leads them across the yard to the wood and steel frame doors leading to the basement game room. The group slips inside as a helicopter passes, shining its light around the neighborhood, searching for the children and their dog. Mike carefully closes the door, setting the latch from the inside. He creeps down the steps and closes the interior door at the foot of the steps, leading into the basement fun room. We should be good down here for a while. I figure it will give us some time to think about what we need to do next. Carl raises his hand, but doesn't wait for a response before asking, Cool, uh, I don't know about the others, but I'm hungry and thirsty. We have run all over town, and man, I need some food, dude. When she works overnight, my mom leaves money in an envelope, so I can order pizza. I'll go call delivery from Tony's. You guys good with pepperoni and cheese? Mike asks, turning on the basement light. Mike crosses the room, turning on a color television set. He takes notice of no one's complaints. Okay, I'll be right back. Stay down here, okay? Oh yeah, the restroom is through that doorway. He points at a smaller closet door before rushing up the narrow wooden steps. Sophie plops onto a recliner holding Phoebe. Okay, Spill, how did you do that? Willow nods. Yeah, seriously, if she can do that, what are we worried about? Clancy chimes in. She can fend for herself. June wipes her glasses clean with the bottom of her shirt. Chances are we may stop her from defending herself. She could be worried that she will hurt us in the crossfire. Eva pops up from behind the large leather sofa, startling Clancy. I don't care what you say. That was super cool. She's like a little super-powered thingy. Carl faces Sophie and Phoebe. If she can do whatever that was back there, I wonder what else she could do. Sophie and Phoebe have completely passed out, exhausted after the day's events. The door to the inside of the house opens, and Mike rejoins his friends. Okay, I got two large pizzas on the way. They said it will be about an hour. Willow yawns and leans back on the large sofa next to Ava and Clancy. Wake me up when it gets here. I'm pooped. Mike smiles and changes the channel, tuning into the local TV station. He smiles, seeing they made it in time for his favorite show, Alice's Dinner. He waves at the others as he settles in on the love seat. You guys crash if you can. I'll wait up for the pizzas. Shortly after the start of his TV program, Mike spots shadows of people moving past one of the ground-level windows that allow light into the basement. He hops up, suddenly finding the world spinning around him. He staggers to the wall, using it for balance as he looks out of the window. Mike sees soldiers outside, moving into the kitchen from the back door. He turns to see the others all unconscious and the room filling with haziness. Shoot! Mike staggers as he tried to call out to the others, but finds no strength to summon his breath. He stumbles, landing on his knees next to Willow and Ava. He watches, unable to resist, as soldiers and scientists flood into the basement. Phoebe struggles to her feet and barks, but no soldier shoots her with a dart. Mike watches as the fight leaves her body and she falls asleep. He watches as the soldiers place each child in what looks to be garbage bags. He stares, unable to resist the soldier placing him inside one of the thick black bags like the others were placed in. 
Am I dead? I can't feel anything. Did they kill us? What the heck is going on? Mike's world spins quickly, and his head feels heavy. It is then that the relentless black of nothing takes him, mind, body, and soul. We hope you enjoyed listening. So, until next time. This is the Wicked Things Podcast signing off.